Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast about ministry and money here in Portland, Oregon. I'm David Libby. And I'm Josh Hawk. And today we're going to talk about money and probably get ourselves in trouble. Um, All right, funny story here real quick. You know, like, so the, the promo picture for this episode is actual cash. And in taking the picture, I'm like, hey, David, do you have any cash yeah. on you? Which and I never do. Yeah, nor do I. I mean, who? few people carry cash. Right. But... David and I both reached into our wallets and we pulled out a $5 bill and a $1 bill. Yep. We I have, mean, both, we both have exactly a five and a one. So if you, you know what would be real, I didn't look at this, but it'd be really eerie if they, the dates were the same on that too. Oh, I'm sure they're not. Um, but the point is if you want to mug us, um, you're going to get very little. That's right. I have a McDonald's gift card with about like $8 on it. And that six dollars. So if you want to go to McDonald's and have a fourteen dollars spending spree, you can you can rob me. Um, but that's that's all you're getting because I'm a pastor and I don't make much money. And that's <laughs> that's a segue. I'm a professional podcaster. That's right. <laughs> Who makes no money from Who the makes podcast. no money from podcasting? We could start a Patreon, but I think we only have like five people that listen to this podcast. So right. we our we'd moms have to would be our Patreon we'd, supporters. We'd have to make the Patreon levels like um fifty bucks an episode at least just to get any kind of money for this. And, and what would we offer our Patreon subscribers? Early access to the episodes. And by early I mean like an hour. <laughs> if if you wanna if you wanna have Get early access to the episodes. Yeah. So David, the question we kind of posed at the end of last episode that we want to unpack is how can you be a pastor? And by pastor, let's talk like more specifically that prophetic role of a pastor um, and get paid from this church or from this body of people that you are speaking to and pastoring? Yeah, I think it was David Livingston. I, I don't remember. I heard this in seminary and I never bothered to look it up. Not even before this podcast episode, which we've had planned for two <laughs> weeks now. I still haven't looked it up. But someone somewhere said that no one should ever be a full-time pastor because you can't be a prophet if your money is all coming from a church. And I am a full-time pastor, and I also think I agree with that. Um, I don't... <laughs> I don't... And those are two things that contradict one another. Right. And I can't really make sense of it other than to say I really think that I've been called to be a pastor. Um, but I also will say that it's incredibly, 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 incredibly hard to say anything remotely divisive as a pastor, even if there is no possible way to argue the other side from the Bible. Um, for example... I'm just going to tell a lot of stories today. That's like, I've got a lot of <laughs> stories. Josh might have like some information, but, um, so a few years ago, um, they're like the, uh, child separation policy at the border happened. Like the, the family separation policy that came to light that it was happening. Uh, the New York times published a story and, um, and there was already a dismantling of the refugee program and there was a lot of angry talk about uh, immigrants and immigration. And I was getting frustrated as a pastor because we had a two-month series at our church where other people were preaching. And I was like, 
I just want to tell my people, hey, the Bible cares about foreigners Mm -hmm. and aliens. Like, you cannot go from Genesis to Revelation without getting that. Like, like, believe what you want politically, but you cannot make the case that God doesn't want us taking care of foreigners and immigrants. You can't. Like, it's... It's just, it's from front to back, God cares for the foreigner and the alien. And so I was getting frustrated, but I spent my time for that two months crafting together a sermon. It is online, um, and their one particular family got so fired up, they left our church and then blasted me for weeks on social media um, about the sermon I preached, which was as light as I could possibly make it and as biblically based as I could possibly make it. Um, uh, just saying basically, um, God cares about the foreigner and the alien, like that, that he constantly cares about it. And I knew how dangerous that could be. And it did end up being dangerous and it did end up causing quite a bit of fighting online, which you know, I'll, I'll pat myself on the back and say I held my own pretty well. Um, but that to me, and we've already probably lost a couple of listeners in this one thing, but to me, that was not even a divisive issue. Like I, I, the, the sermon I preached was so carefully done that you could not like refute it. It could not be done. And yet I also knew as someone from whom my paycheck came yep. that this could be very troubling. And so do you do, like, cause I I've thought about this with, with s- similar stories um, and similar people, but when though that family or when other families kind of leave you like, as a pastor, you think, oh, that's some of our budget that's leaving. I don't think that's some of our budget that's leaving, or at least I didn't with that. What I did think is um, this, well, they could make enough of a stink to turn the church against me to get me canned. I think about getting fired a lot just because... I've known plenty of pastors who've been fired and, and I know that it's always a possibility. Anytime you bring God's truth, you could be fired. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's just the case. Um, uh, God is love. Isn't very controversial until you actually talk about what love Mm -hmm. means. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and, and so, so I did think about that, but I also thought about, well, if this gets enough people mad, then yeah, we're going to be in trouble as a church. Not only mm. is it my paycheck leaving, but some the the money that we need to keep our ministries going is Man. leaving. I'm not only yeah. looking at it personally, like yeah, I get a salary from the church, but I can get another job, but in order to keep our ministries going at all, even if I worked for free, we do need money. And right. And to bring any kind of truth 
knowing that it could lose people who fund the work of our church, that's dangerous stuff. David, how I like the image that comes to mind is a politician and mm-hmm. man, how sad it is that the the pastor has become is a politician in many ways. Um, yeah, you're not like we we should we should make clear you should never endorse a candidate from the pulpit. That's not the kind of politician we're talking about. But pastors but do think, do basically have to be political in the way think, that they're talking. Well, the, you yeah. Think about the polit like a politician will like they raise. I mean, they have to raise money, and so like they have a message, and you get some big time backers who back them, and they're like, "Yeah, we believe in this," and so they off often it starts off with you know like their passion, and people are like, "Yeah, I agree with that," but then. You're like, wait, no, I I am running for office, and in order to be elected, I have to make enough people happy or say what the people want, and so that's where things like that's where things get political, quote unquote, right. political. And pastors, the church operates often with this mentality, whether we like to like. We try to be, you know, altruistic and say, you know, like that that's not the case, that we're being true, true to the word. And but but it creeps in. And also, um, this doesn't have anything to do with the the podcast, but it can't be said enough that um, you can't, quote unquote, just go with the Bible like there's always um, other like. Uh, influences on the things that you say, um, but yeah. So then, when you have a when you have a word to bring to the congregation, you get political about it, right? Yeah. You um, you you have to either um, hide from the things that you want to say, as in not say them, or get really intense about saying them. You could you could actually look at it in terms of specific politicians like you let's let's go here for a second if i turn uh, i'll try and use both republicans and democrats to prove all my points just to just to put this in terms um you look at like uh when ted cruz ran for president or when bernie sanders ran for president both of them were liked by their um small group of constituents because they didn't veer from their message but then you look at other people. Well, and look, neither of them won the presidency. Neither of them did, but they but they had their supporters, and it's mostly because they didn't deviate from the things they were saying. Hmm. You you look at others who sort of become chameleons um, hmm. and and say the things that they know other people are going to want to hear, and sometimes they win and sometimes they don't. Um, you also get pressure to say something and so you might go along with a democratic platform or a republican platform on something you don't necessarily agree with i remember when uh tim kane was chosen as vp there was a big question that came out about he doesn't support um abortion as a catholic but he went along with the democratic platform because he was a democrat like these these are the things that um you you kind of go along with the pull of people. Now, if we take that and refer to the church, there 
is an immense amount of pressure for a pastor to say something because it's the thing that people want him to say or yeah. a group of people want him to say. Um, and uh, like I, I had pressure at one point to um, because there was so much fighting after Trump was elected um, in the in the world. I had pressure from a couple of people in our congregation to um, to tell our church that we need to be behind the president elect. And that was I I don't believe that's the role of a pastor at all mm. to to push people to support a president. Um, so I didn't do that. But there was pressure to do that. And and there there's always pressure from different groups of people to say a certain thing or or speak a certain word. I'm sure you've had that at your church. Yeah. Not necessarily about yeah. politicians, but about like um about this about topic or divisive or... topics. Um we right. uh we preach about giving here and there, usually because the treasurer at our church will say, Hey, you need to talk about giving. <laughs> that's yeah. that's a thing that happens. David, here's my here's my thought that I have. Like you bring in, you know, like going back to Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz, um, and think about the like. I mean, you put in any presidential candidate that you want, and are they more interested in the platform that they're running in, or the like the the issues, or are they more interested in becoming president? And, and right. So that's what like as a as pastors, are we more interested in keeping our job? Um, or are we more interested in the things that God lays deeply on our hearts? Oh, that's such a good, that's um, such a good question. That's so the core of this question, right? So I, I want to throw it just for a second. I want to like, let's look at a, a biblical kind of model and mandate. When you think of the prophet, let's look at the old Testament prophets and there are different types of prophets. There were, um, there were court prophets, um, prophets that they, I mean, how does a prophet make its money? You know, um, most of the prophets were paid by the king for political reasons. The king would go like, hey, it actually helps me as the king to have a man of God in my corner. Right. If uh, you if you say God is calling us to uh, defend our city, then people will be like religious people will be like, yeah, we got to defend our city instead of the king saying it. Yeah. God then said it. And so you, yeah, you have this alignment throughout all history too. Like yeah. just look at, you know, the last 2000 years, look at Christian history where there's always kind of this tension between the emperor and the Pope in early Christian Christianity, like who's got the more power. And like the emperor goes, no, I need the Pope's um, kind of stamp of approval or look at, or look at, uh, Obama had an evangelical team. Yep. Trump has an evangelical yeah. team. We have that happening today. Yeah. And like, so like there's this there's this influence with the kind of power. And so then there becomes pressure on the the prophet like in order to keep my job, I have to support the king. Um but then you have prophets like who who of what happens then when you actually have to speak out against the king and this we have these old testament prophets who speak out against the king i think of like elijah who you know spoke out against uh, it was ahab and jezebel was the one who you know at the, the time she actually was the king um and she goes i'm gonna kill you and he runs for his his life you know like in and 
he had he had nothing when like right. he he stumbled into a village and you know there's a story I think is either him, I the stories of Elijah and Elisha kind of blend together and get mixed up for from even me um, but there's a story where one of them stumbles into a town with like a there's a widow um, her and her son and she's like. I've got enough oil. Just, I was going to make, you know, some cake for my son and I, and then we were going to die. And he goes, well, can I have it? (laughs) And and then you have like the oil that just keeps, you know, running, you know, or never runs out, you know, or like fills multiple jars. I guess it eventually runs out. But, um, but that's what the prophet is dependent on to be able to eat is just dependent on the mercy and the compassion of, of somebody else. Right. You could, you could even go further back. Um, uh, God calls Moses to step in front of the Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Why is, uh, why is Moses so scared? Is it because he has a stutter? Well, no, not really. (laughs) It's because if you stand in front of the most powerful person in the country and say, Hey, in the world at that point and say, Hey, this, uh, this thing that you're using to power your entire country. Yeah. You need to stop that right now. He's going to cut your dang head off. (laughs) Like, he's going to do it. You will die right. if you do that. And so, yeah, he's terrified because God's called him to do something extremely, extremely dangerous that is going to cost him his livelihood. Like, And so so that's the kind of pressure that you're under. Not that you'll be decapitated by your church, but you could be emotionally decapitated by your church, right? If you, yeah. if you go up, to the pulpit and you say something that you know is going to anger your people, they have all the power over you. They pay your salary and they own you and your job. Like the, the, the elders of a church don't fire you. The board of a church doesn't fire you. The church fires you. Hmm. The, the board may sign the paper, but you are fired by the church. And so bringing a word, a prophetic word to the church is dangerous if you're paid by the church, like extremely so. Yeah, it, there's this tension, David, because it's so it's so needed, too. Like, I mean, the prophetic voice the and the role, like the, the pastor, it's just like the person of the pastor is is necessary you look historically it's like this correctiveness that you know culturally in every culture kind of going back throughout time like you you have to you have to have somebody who's willing to speak in and and kind of challenge that that culture and so there there is this tension here's here's a solution your church should pay me to speak to my church and my church can pay you (laughs) to speak to your church Um, you you know our people talk to each other right (laughs) it's true um david i just want to like um let's let's get let's get authentic yeah and let's like like we're talking about money and so you and i like let's mention our salaries you know like um you and i are we haven't we have a a pretty high level of education, um, higher than, than most. I mean, we both have graduate degrees and not just like a master of arts, you know, but like they're four year degrees, master graduate degrees. Um, we were joking. I crammed, um, I guess technically 
technically our, our graduate degrees are three years, but I crammed seven years with my undergrad and graduate degree into 10 years of college. Yeah. Yeah. I, did, I think you did a little bit better I did, than I did. I did four years of college and then four years of seminary but yeah so was, you crammed it, seven years into it was, eight years it was a lot and it's a lot of money that you pour into college and seminary right yeah like, it's and not, so there's it's not cheap there's this edge yeah like we we have graduate degrees and our salary both of ours we make about the same yeah um but it's around forty thousand dollars is our yeah. our salary that, yeah. that we 40, receive forty thousand no benefits uh, you might get benefits i don't uh, I, know, um, I don't uh and so yeah like my wife and i we're just above the poverty line technically yeah. and in you're, Oregon. Like, you're on Oregon Health Plan. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Like we we don't we don't make a lot and yet um even though it seems like a little like we're we're fine. Like this isn't a woe is me thing. We're fine. Right. Like we we get by fine. Um I I like our apartment. It's it's okay. Um we we don't have much in the way of spending money, but it's fine. Like we're we're okay. Um, but to be able but to call it out and to say like, well, so here then becomes a problem. Even even that little seems to matter. Like hmm, yeah, well, yeah. Like but now, so yeah. let let me ask this, David. If I if I was a church across town and I like. I heard you say something, you know, I, I listened to one of your sermons and like, man, you would do really well in here. And I offered you a position that is maybe 65,000 or, you know, maybe 80,000 a year that would be more in line with, um, you know, what your education would deem. Um, now you're like, what, what, how, how does that factor? Now in? it's, now it's even more dangerous. To like more money equals more danger almost, but well, not not just more danger because we we say we talk about, like we talk about vocation and like oh I'm called to a church oh yeah 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 and now I like, see what you're saying oh you but you're called to that church because they pay you more money yeah yeah how does that I wouldn't, fit into I wouldn't leave mine right now because I love it I I I just like I love our people and I love what we're doing and we're kind of in the middle of a massive project right now and. It'd be kind of an a hole move to to. So this is some of the tension. Yeah. This is why it gets weird because, like, actually, pastors have to like. We got to make a living. So we got to support our families. I have the luxury, I guess. You, I don't. I wouldn't call it luxury. Um, but we have a dual income family. So my wife works um, outside the home, um, and so that is kind of, I guess, the how we're able to survive and and live in our neighborhood. Um, but this this idea of like I'm called to a place, but I also need a salary in order to feed my family. It's a little easier when it's if if we don't have a family, if we're just a single person. Um, are you are you saying we should leave? No, our I'm kids? saying absolutely. I'm saying like. <gasps> <laughs> no, I think this is why Jesus and Paul says it's better not to get married in the first place. But then once you get married and have a kids, then like that, I mean, we would, we've said this before, but that is our first ministry, of course, you know, yeah. like taking care of our family. And, um, but there's this, there's this tension that exists that we, we, uh, it, it's hard to talk about. And few people like to talk about, money and the church and like i've had people ask me like who are 
uh, you know, outside the church, but just super curious. They're like, how do you, how do you get paid? Like, where does that, where does that come from? Um, well, and then, and then there's another layer on it. And this layer fills me with so much shame and guilt and never won't. And I don't think any pastor worth his or her salt wouldn't feel a lot of guilt and shame over this. I think you should. And that is that um, so many people in our churches, at least in my church, because we've got a, we got a bunch of um, uh, people at our church who've had a, had a rough life, like a mm-hmm. tough go of it in life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Being funded on the backs of oh, man, people yeah. who um, are barely getting by anyway. Oh, dude. And asking them to support a church that has its own building that has a whole lot of overhead. You do not realize how expensive overhead is. Like we're gonna get, paying, we're gonna get into paying, that in a, in a future episode. For, by the way, oh, are we? Then never mind. No, uh, paying for overhead is expensive, and so like um, knowing that you are um, you are asking people to give to your salary and also to the church building the running of the structure when you also know that they're barely making it paycheck to paycheck that's a tough thing to do and and, they, and Henry yeah. Nowen wrote a great book uh, called The Spirituality of Fundraising and he he has he had turned a corner and been like um yeah, I have I have no problem asking for people to support God's work. He 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 ended up getting to that point, but I I never have, and I don't think I ever mm. will. Like mm. I'm always going to um, realize the hardships mm. that my people are going through, and have a hard time then asking them it's to this fund is, something else. David, I I can't, can't. I mean, we talk about this when we talk about giving. Like the one story that comes up, you know, like is is Jesus is sitting at the temple courts with. Yeah. You, you know, with his disciples and looking across and there's a widow who comes and gives her last couple mites um, with just like a few pennies. And and there's a lot that's happening there. And, um, you know, in one in one aspect, Jesus commends that woman yep. says like, look, she is giving all that she's got while these other Pharisees, you know, and religious leaders are dumping lots of money into the the box, but they're giving out of their abundance. This woman is giving out of her, um, I mean, just giving everything, everything she's got. Um, so there is that to like those, those people who have just tremendous generosity. And I've seen that, you know, like the most generous people that I've seen are those who don't have much, but then at the same time, Jesus is condemning an institution that would ask of this woman to give her last few cents. And so like both are, are happening at the same time. And like, it's this tension that we have to to have to live with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it, it ought to, you're right. It should rock us to the core. I think I think it needs to, and I think when we're talking about defragging the church or like tearing it down, what what needs to fall apart because of COVID nineteen, <laughs> COVID nineteen? No, what what needs to fall apart um, may 
be the institution. And I, I don't know if that's true. And um, we'll, we'll keep talking about this. I don't know if there's going to be any easy answers at the end of this. But I do, I do wonder about the institution of the church. I'm wondering uh, if, if it's even worth having church be what it's been as uh, a building with a 501c3 and uh and like a staff and and uh, having this whole organized situation because then there is cost on your people to keep this 501c3 going and that um that's a hard thing to ask of people is it is it right to have a paid um pastor of a local congregation is that a good thing i I, I don't know that I know the answer to that, mm. uh, but it is something that I think we brush over a lot. And I think that until we start voicing these questions and until we start listening to the people who are critical of the church and money, mm. um, then we're, we're going to keep doing some stuff pretty wrong. David, I, I think I w- we can kind of close with this, but Paul talks about the importance of paying your spiritual leaders. Um, but then at the same time, Paul is willing to take up tent making. And, um, and so there's, there's this tension that, that I, th- I think always has existed and probably always will um, between that. Like, I don't want to be a burden on you, but also pay your pastors. Um, right. And, uh, and, and it's, it's hard. Like I find myself like, man, I've, I've spent so much of my life kind of training and preparing for a role that now I get into and I'm having like second thoughts about, you know, like, yep. wait, is, is there an, is there an ethical dilemma? I think that's what you're really kind of getting at Yeah, is like, do we have a moral responsibility to not be paid as a pastor? Yeah. Um, and, and we might, and, uh, and so that, that, beca- but then the question, like, then we're left with like, but how do we get paid then? Right. And, and also, um, there's, there's another side of the ethical question. I, I have, um, some friends who are writers and they always, um, uh, Christian writers and they, they have to be reminded and remind themselves a lot that, um, your work is worth being paid for. Yeah. And, and like, that's, that's, I think one thing that, um, spiritual people get grief for a lot is that you should be doing this for free. Um, because, and, and that there, there is an ethical question there, but then there's also the question of, is your work worth it? Like, and that's why I think, like, going back to Paul, like, Paul says, and I I can then vouch for you, David. I can, like, I can show up. I'm like, absolutely, David is doing work that needs to be funded. Yeah. And, um, and I would say thank you, and I wouldn't say the same about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just Josh is great. But then, but so if it's me talking about you... Um, and I, this is the, the importance of having kind of leaders kind of acknowledge this, it, it, but it feels weird when it's coming from you. Like if your salary is based on 
like you yeah. kind of managing that and yeah um so if any um we are during this COVID 19 i think is like there's this defragging that's happening um but even already before that there's a lot of creative ways that pastors are kind of innovating and kind of, this is not a new or radical issue or problem, you know, like think of that there's a micro church movement, you know, and pastors are not being paid. Francis Chan being probably the most famous one um, who's like finding creative ways of, you know, being entrepreneurial um, to, to, to make a living kind of, outside of the church. And, and so I, I want to both, I think both are needed and both are necessary. Um, and I've been, I've been reminded of that, but as we kind of evolve and, and kind of grow, um, it, it just, it'd be interesting to kind of see as the dust settles culturally and contextually where everybody and everything kind of lies. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, but I I I should say I mean we're already getting in trouble for this episode, <laughs> so whatever. I love um, that. Like I, we're gonna wrap it up. I'm but gonna yeah, right. This is this I'm a pastor. Isn't that what we do? That's right. We repreach um, our sermon or miss the points in our closing prayer. Last year I put out a uh like sixteen page statement on on my evolving views on lgbtq Mm. and and uh it it got it got a lot Mm. of attention and i knew it would get a lot of attention and it did um and i still am getting i i um came out as affirming of um lgbtq people and their gifts and i'm not speaking for the podcast here i'm speaking for me david libby um i'm not speaking for my church either but i i got to that point and i knew like as as my mind was changing on this issue and as my biblical study was leading me to change on this issue um mm. i i knew that it was probably going to cost me my job and i got i mm. got a call from uh someone he's in his 90s he's been a pastor for his whole life and he said i can't believe you survived that mm. and i still can't believe i survived it and you know that may not always be the case, but I almost threw up a number of times the day that I put pushed send and put out this thing online mm. because I knew what the blowback was going to be because I have eyes and because I have ears and because I've seen and heard what has happened to other leaders who've done this. And I'm not, I'm not trying to talk about this issue per se other than to say being a a Christian leader is so difficult when you know Mm. that you have to speak, Mm. um, when you have to speak truth, um, you like, not only do you have to be a prophet while being funded, you sometimes have to get yourself, like you're not able to say something until you get yourself to a point where you're willing to lose your job that week in order to say it. And that's a hard place to get to. If you think about your job, if you, if you work at Ace Hardware and you knew that doing something there was going to possibly cost you your job immediately, but it was the right thing to do, but it was the right thing to do. That would be a hard thing to do. Right. 
like you wouldn't necessarily do it or you'd have to work yourself into doing it. That's that's a tough thing. And that's where it's it's um, it's really difficult to get your money on the backs of other people Hmm. because it it makes you afraid to say something that, you know, you need to. Um, Andy Stanley just posted this morning about the um, killing of the black jogger in in Georgia that um, a video recently came out about it. And he was talking about how he was advised not to say anything while while he was still um, emotionally wrapped up in it. And but but he did anyway, like that's the that's Mm. that's the issue here and the core of it to me is that you're always afraid to say something that god's calling you to say because you your not only your money and your livelihood but also just your sense of belonging Mm -hmm. is wrapped up in it um i have a friend who got fired from a church all of his best friends went there Mm. he doesn't talk to them anymore Mm. because they let him go yeah. Like what that's that's a tough thing to do, right? Yeah. And so um money is at the core of so much mm. of what we do as leaders mm. and um I don't know that we had too much of a point here other than to bring all of this stuff up and let it sit yeah. and let it simmer a little bit. Yeah, and just kind of expose some of the stuff and expose some of it because um whether you've um been in situations very similar to myself or very similar to Josh, you've like, you've, you've experienced the same kind of thing from, uh, from one side or the other of a church. And, um, and it's important to actually say these things publicly. So that's good. Yeah. So next, next time, I think we're going to talk, we, we might talk about, um, uh, what we brought up briefly. In yeah, this, I mean, there's there's a lot session. more to talk about, kind of, but the as we talk about like, kind of the infrastructure and the overhead. Um, oh yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Ugh. Of our um, existing church models. Yeah, I almost uh, closed and sold my church in my first year of being here, so we'll we'll talk about yeah. that. It was a it was an interesting thing. I still haven't done it yet, but I might. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> um, anyway, for the Unsuccess Podcast, I'm David and I'm Josh, and we will see you next time.